Good morning, church family. I trust you all well. It looks like it, uh, we've got another four weeks of lockdown, so we won't be able to get together as a church, but we can still care for one another and we can still um, look after one another, make phone calls and just check in on each other. And if you hear of someone who needs uh, some food, some hampers or um, a gift voucher, please let me know and, uh, and I'll contact them. And So let's continue to love and care for one another. So in this series, we've been preparing ourselves to explain our faith, give an answer for the reason for our faith. And we're being equipped to explain to anyone who asks the, for the hope we have, what we believe, why we believe it, and how it affects our life. And so, so far we can say that what we believe is that God is our creator, that he uh, made us, and because he's made us, we have a purpose. We have a, a reason for existence. God didn't make us for no reason. He had a purpose for our lives. And so I want to give you uh, a fourth reason today for why I believe that. Uh, so far we've looked at uh, three reasons. The first is that God, God's invisible qualities are seen through everything that he's made. That's a verse found in Romans chapter 1. It says that people can clearly see God's invisible qualities. It's impossible for the complexity of the earth, for the, the, the nature of our beings, the complexity of who we are, to have just happened by accident. There has to be, when you look at a design, you realise there has to be a designer behind that, someone who's given it some thought. And so every design has a designer, and when you look at the world and everything that's in it, then we, it points back to this creator being, this God. Secondly, we know that God exists because uh, he's placed his law in our hearts. We know, we instinctively know the difference between right and wrong. In Romans chapter 2 verse 15 says that the Gentiles, that's us, demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and their thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they're doing what is right. And so it's like we've got this inbuilt GPS that uh, instead of being sent, set for home, it's, it's set back to God. And God is actually speaking to us all the time about um, our standards, our morals, our ethics, and he's reminding us that we need his help. Third thing, we know that God exists because what he did was he set a standard for morality. He actually wrote his law on stone. It's unchangeable and it's a standard that is set so that no one can justify themselves and say, well, you know, my conscience is clear and therefore I am right before God. No, we've all fallen short of God's standard. And uh, Romans chapter 3 reminds us that all have sinned and we've all fallen short of the standard or the glory of God. And so Romans chapter 6 says what happens as a consequence of that. Romans chapter 6 says, verse 23, the result of falling short of God's standard is that we must all stand before God as a judge. And if we're found guilty, the result is not just a physical death, but an eternal separation from God. The reason that there's a consequence is that God is holy and we are sinful. And God cannot, a holy God cannot be in the presence of sinful people. It's, it's almost like trying to to match uh, oil and water together. They just don't go. God is holy and we are sinful. 
And so there's got to be a separation. So today I'm going to give you a fourth reason for why I believe that God exists. But first I need to set the scene for us. Because this is a great dilemma for God. You've got to imagine God is holy, and which means he's perfect and he's sinless. And he wants a relationship with the people he made. He's loving as well. And so he's being torn apart within himself. He's, he's on one hand, he's loving and caring and gracious and compassionate. And on the other hand, he's holy and he's just. And we wouldn't want God any other way. We wouldn't want, um, we expect justice when things are done wrong with us. And so when we look to a God, who, when we see all the things that have been done wrong in the world, we do expect God to be just. And so, because God has deeply, deeply loves us, the world, he simply cannot ignore that we have fallen short of his standard. And so he has to act. So God, on one hand, is loving, and on the other hand, he's just. So what God does next is just, it's simply a brilliant act, because in one act, God demonstrates both his love and his justice. God entered the world in the form of a man. And because this man was sinless, this man Jesus, he took the punishment for sin upon himself. This is the way that John explains it. John is a a friend of Jesus, but he's also a primary source because he was a first-hand witness. What he saw, he recorded. This is a first-hand account. It's found in John chapter 1. In verse 1, it says, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about this light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. And John himself was not the light. He's simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is a true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he came into the very world that he created, But the world didn't recognise him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. Let me read that again. To all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone's coming after me, who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love 
and his faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is God himself, is near to the heart, the Father's heart, for he has revealed God to us. That's the facts. The fact is that the creator of the world entered into his own creation, his own being. I mean, that is just, it's hard to understand when you understand the immensity of who God is. He humbled himself and became a man and entered into the world. And not only did he enter into the world, he, he laid down his life and he died for the sin of the world. Let me try and put it in a term that you might, we might be able to understand. Imagine the world's worst human being. Let's just say for an argument, this guy is a mass murderer called Eric. Eric is finally caught and he's standing before this judge. And the judge recognises him because they grew up together. They were best friends. But their lives took different paths. And so the judge is both loving and just. And so he's bound by law. He has to punish Eric. He can't just ignore what Eric's done. He's a mass murderer and he must be punished. And as a judge, he cannot ignore that fact. So he's, he punishes Eric and the punishment for sin, his, his sin was death. He, and he sentenced him to an electric chair. But because he's loving, because he has deep care for Eric, the judge takes off his robes and he steps down off his chair and he says, I'm going to take your place. And he himself sits in the chair and he dies, takes a penalty for Eric's sin. That is what God has done for us. And that sounds crazy, but that's what Jesus did. God himself took the punishment for human sin. That's what the Bible says God has done. Next week, I want to look at some of the evidence to demonstrate that that is who Jesus was because we could raise the question and people raise the question, well, how do we know that Jesus was God? How do we know that Jesus was who he says he was? And how do we know that he took the punishment for sin? You know, I mean, lots of people die. So how do we know that he took the penalty for sin? And what are the consequences of that for us? So they're the things we want to look at next week. But today I want to focus on this fact that this is really good news. When you think about it, you're destined to be separated from God unless you do something about this. And the offer has been made to all who believe God is going to offer forgiveness and grace. Anyone who believes and accepts the truth about Jesus, he gives the right to become children of God. No longer are we condemned as sinners. We're welcomed as children into the house of the Father. If you do not have a relationship with the Creator, your God, your Father, your friend Jesus, your Saviour, then I encourage you to make this your first priority today. Just stop and spend some time in prayer. Acknowledge who Jesus is, and accept his wonderful gift, the fact that he died for you. And you might want to pray a prayer as simple as this. My creator God, I admit that I've fallen short of living my life according to your standards. 
I know that deep within me that I need a relationship with you. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and so I accept Jesus that he's made that sacrifice on my behalf. That's as simple as you need to pray. I pray that you'll be able to think through these issues today and uh, spend some time with your Father. And if you pray a prayer like that, then welcome to the family of God. Have a great week and I'll see you all next week. Stay safe. No guilt competes with innocence crucified. Lift your eyes